So we're going to get rolling on first impressions, the how you can greet your visitors before they ever pull into the driveway of your church. My name is Steph Politis, and to give you a little background, come on in, you're fine. To give you a little background on who I am, uh, before we, my husband and I moved here, my husband works as the communications director at the uh, network office. I worked as the U.S. Missions Finance Director at headquarters, so Assemblies of God in a, uh, Springfield, Missouri. And before that, my husband and I have both worked at a myriad of different churches of all church plant sizes, of all fully established church sizes. So it feels to me like every church you've been in, I have at least been in or talked to somebody who's been in that type of church. So does that make me an expert? Nope. It just means that I've talked to a whole lot of different people. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk a little bit about theory, and then I'm going to give you some five things, the whole reason you came, the top five, right? That's all we look for on Facebook is those lists of fives or tens. So before you leave, I'm going to give you a list of five, and then we're going to close it a little bit early because then what I want you guys to do is to brainstorm with each other in the room because we have churches of all different sizes, and all of us have tried things, some that have worked and some that have totally not worked. So instead of coming from me, I'd love to hear you guys start brainstorming as well. So that's one thing that we're going to do by the end. All right? So before we begin, though, I want to know who I'm talking to. So we're going to kind of do like the stand-up game. And for those of you in the back, if you want to just raise your hand, and then when I call you, you're going to sit down. So if everybody would stand to their feet, and I know I will immediately disappear then because everyone is taller than me. Okay, if you are a senior or a lead pastor, would you sit down? Okay, if you are a youth or a kids pastor, would you sit down? Okay, if you are office staff, so you're a secretary, administrator to um, anybody in the office, maybe the receptionist. Okay, so this leaves a whole different group of people that I was not expecting. I thought by this point we'd be like down. So like over here, you guys kind of quickly say what you do. Are we volunteers, volunteers for youth? What are we, what do you guys do? Great. Great. So, like Connect Center. How about you guys? Uh, Great. Okay. Okay. Who else is hospitality? If you're hospitality in your church, working, running like a Connect Center, take a seat. Yes, greeter ministry, ushers, guest services. We all use different terms. What about you? Yeah. You do. Okay. Everything. Okay. What are we missing? What are bookkeepers? Do we have any bookkeepers in here? Pastor's wives. Yes. Woo. If your pastor's wives sit down, you got to stand because you're the most important to the end. No. Yeah. Okay. Great. Church board. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. So we are kind of all over the board here, which is great. Now just as a, hey, nope, come on in. Just as a reference for how, what size of churches we're looking at, uh, if you are in a church that is like between 0 and 100, raise your hand. Okay, between like 100 and 250. Okay, over 250. All right, okay, so we, this is a great group, guys. We should really be able to get some good feedback at the end. Okay, so today we're talking about first impressions. And I want to specifically talk about what's happening before people ever pull into the driveway and how a lot of what we're doing is stopping people from ever showing up, coming through our doors. And believe it or not, we're going to talk about two sections before we get to the how-to. That's the how-to. 
we're going to talk about the why and the what. Now, a lot of people, you know, you've heard over and over that people come to church because they've been invited to church. I mean, I can't argue with that. I could just say that and leave and say, and we're done. Teaching people to invite people to church, and I'm going to get out of here. But the truth of the matter is, even once your people invite someone to church, chances are you are making a connection with them before they ever walk through your door. They may be thinking, sure, I should check out more about this church. And what do they do? They pull you up online. They check you out on Facebook. They get that little handout card maybe that uh, you've passed out at Easter telling people to come that has your service times. Maybe they've driven by the church. How does it look? They've talked to other people on Facebook. They're doing something that requires office staff involvement. Because for all of you that have worked on an office staff, you know that those Magical Connect cards do not fall from heaven like manna. Somebody designed those magical cards, and somebody is setting them out on Sunday morning, and somebody is telling people to pick them up and pass them out. Your website doesn't just magically appear. I mean, look at the whole Donald Trump fiasco with, a, what was it, Jeb Bush, and they bought his website, right? Worst ever. You don't just type in your, wet, your church name and magically, there's your church. Somebody is working with the web designer. Somebody maybe is a web designer telling them what needs to go up, how it needs to look, what it needs to say. Even for the person that just drives by, that is not techie, and they just get in their car and they want to drive by the church and see how it looks. Somebody in the church is making sure that the yard is mowed, that the uh, driveway is cleaned off, that it looks respectable from the outside. So your first impression is the church office staff. It's not the people in your church. It is the office staff and what they're doing that is making a name for yourself and your community. So that's why this session today is focused towards the office staff, towards the, the volunteers that are working within the church, and not just the, hey, here's 15 ways to do an outreach. Because, hey, an outreach is fantastic. But day in and day out, the people that are just coming in off the streets, wanting to try the church, the new visitors, the people that are really even already in the church, you guys office staff and volunteers are what is making or breaking your church. Now, guys, I will tell you, I did a little uh, project for OMN this year, and uh, I, it actually got to be super amusing. My job was to call all of the churches in a couple different sections before the celebration tour. I'm not sure if you know what the celebration tour is, but the district comes to each one of the areas and puts on a big dinner. And so my job was to call every single church in 10 of the different sections and just remind them that it was coming up, make sure that they had registered. Now, would anybody care to guess how many live, actual humans I talked to? Uh, a lot. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Woo! Yeah. I'm just going to tell you, it was not very many. But I also heard scads and scads and scads of church answering machines. I left so many messages with uh, answering machines, answering services, cell phones, even volunteers at the church. And I can tell you, there were some bang-up phone calls that I would get an answering machine, I'd be able to leave a message, I'd get a call back, or I'd be able to get information right away, and I just thought, huge, huge. Or somebody would answer the phone, maybe they didn't even know what they were talking about, but they'd answer the phone, they were friendly, they were welcoming, they would say, you know what, I'm really not sure, but can I get that information for you? Yes, you can! Like, that makes a huge difference. And it's not just people like me that are calling and coming to your church and looking you up on the website every day. People all over are trying to connect with you, 
And believe it or not, it's not your pastor, your main pastor, that they're trying to connect with. They're trying to connect with the church, and the first person that they're meeting is the office staff or the volunteer. So that's why it's so important that we understand that first impressions happen far before someone walks through the front door of your church. If you're spending all your time worrying about what the exact correct carpet color is to be most inviting to guests, you're missing the biggest part of the first impression, and that's before they even walk into that fabulous carpet, okay? Which the answer is green, if you're just curious. I'm just saying. <laughs> so now let's talk about what. So we have talked about why are we dealing with the office staff. Now let's talk for a minute about what. So what's happening in the church office? And I'm going to use my hand because I don't know where the eraser is. So believe it or not, there's two basic things that happen in the church throughout the week. And these are real easy to understand. Would anybody care what to guess what the first thing that a church does that everybody thinks immediately when they think about a church they're thinking the church is there to do close but I heard it back there somewhere it starts with an M hey thank you ministry so the first key function of the church is ministry now I remember when uh, I worked in a church that was about 1500 we were a church plant that went crazy went skyrocketing all of a sudden and so all of a sudden we found ourselves needing to hire staff quickly. And when you're trying to hire a decent amount of staff very quickly, it's kind of hard to find the right people because you don't have a big pool to pull from. You haven't known people for very long. And so I remember we were all trying to get a feel for different people that had come to the church and figure out who would be a good fit on our team and who could help us. And I remember a lady coming up to me and with just such sincerity of heart, just looked me in the eye and she said, I just feel like my dream job would be to just spend all day every day ministering to people. Guys, I'm telling you, I was like, wow, you do not belong in the church office staff. (laughs) Because how many of you that work in a church office staff can say, I spend all day, every day ministering to people. It's so heartwarming. No, like that is what the Sunday is for. That is what counseling sessions are for. But the majority of your day is spent doing the other thing. And that's what I'm going to call information. You are producing information, you are dispensing information, you are collecting information, you are taking care of all the information for the church. What time does church start? We're answering the phone calls, we're dealing with prayer requests, we're letting people know about upcoming events, we're dealing with the people that are coming in needing benevolent things, we're letting them know how they go about getting those things, we're dealing within our community, trying to explain who we are, trying to build networks with other churches. All of that is information. So if churches are doing basically two things, ministry and information, what do you think that we should be spending the most amount of time on? We should be, okay? Should be. Ministry, okay? I have never found it in the Bible, and I spent some time looking this week, that talked about how to effectively communicate via Facebook your people. Like, Jesus just didn't talk about that, right? And he, he didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about how, exactly how many pages a bulletin should be and how you should distribute it in your church. He did not spend a whole lot of time doing that. He spent a lot of time doing ministry. That being said, you guys, we're the church. We have a lot of people coming into church doors every week. This can't happen without this. Okay? These are connected. Both of these things have to happen. So if we're a church staff, we've got secretaries, volunteers, ministers, and all of these people that are connected to the church that are not just attending, but they're wanting to be invested in making a church to part to see this church go forward. If we have this whole group of people with all this time, energy, commitment to watch the church go forward, we want to see those people doing the majority of their time doing what? 
Thank you. There's no wrong answers. I promise I don't throw people out, okay? So yes, say it with confidence. Ministry. That's right. We want to spend as much time as we possibly can doing ministry, which means that the information side has to be done so well that we can spend more time doing ministry. And I think that's where we, get, we forget a lot about what's happening in the church. We say, well, we're doing ministry, and so we just need to make sure that the information gets out there somehow. But what we don't realize is the better we do this, the more efficiently we can do this. So what that means is we need to have a good plan on how our church staff is going to communicate, work with information, problem solve, because the quicker we can do that, the easier it is to free everybody to do ministry. Now, all the senior pastors are going to immediately buy me coffee after this session. Watch, okay? Because what I would like to see is in your church, there are key people who you have there with the express purpose of doing ministry. Chances are that's your senior pastor. If you have a counseling or pastoral care person, it's that person. Even, I hate to say it, but you're on the ground Sunday school teachers. Those people that are giving their time, you want them spending the majority of their time doing this. Which means as a church office staff, we need to come around them and support them and do as much of this as we can so that we can take it out of their hands so that they can do this. So this is not a kids' ministry session, but let me tell you about kids' ministry. In the church where we go to, my husband and I have four. That's right, four kiddos, which means we are going to work in kids' ministry till the day we die. Okay? <laughs> but our church has a way that I just have so appreciated. I get emailed the lesson on Friday morning that I'm going to teach on Sunday. When I step in there on Sunday morning, someone greets me, walks through the lesson, shows me everything I need, and then for the next hour and a half, I do this. So I have lost no more than 25 minutes doing this, and I get to spend an hour and a half doing this. So for as much as kids' ministry is not my ball of wax, I will continue doing kids' ministry because I feel effective, because I'm using my time doing this, which is what I volunteered for, instead of doing this, which is what I do not want to do. Now, that being said, especially if you're a, ch a paid church volunteer, you're being paid Okay, you're being paid to make sure that the people who are in ministry positions are able to do that. And you're taking those things off of their plates so that they can do the ministry. So that is the what. The what is you guys getting the information. And so if I were to give you a mission statement, my mission statement as a church office staff and as a volunteer administrative staff so I'm not talking about, I know we had a couple like Sunday school teachers. This is for those of you that really are in an administrative type role, even if it's a volunteer administrative role. Your mission statement should be to produce and to distribute information as clearly and concisely as possible to enable as much ministry as can possibly happen. Okay? Your job is to clearly and concisely produce and distribute information as well as you can, as efficiently as you can, so that the most amount of ministry can happen. Okay? So now let's talk about information. Let's kind of brainstorm what are some types of information that we're giving out on any given day. Now this is, again, there's no, pretty much no wrong answers here, okay? So just raise your hands. What are types of information that we're communicating to people? You're answering the church phone. You're doing on the website. Service times. Great. Who else? Calendar of events. What's happening? When is it happening? What do I need to bring? How do I sign my kid up? What other kinds of information is happening? Attendance. Yep. 
along with attendance, how about volunteer re registration? So what volunteers are going on what spots and what week and making sure they know that. What else? What are some of the more information type things that we, that we do during the week? Connections cards, following up on connection cards, making sure connection cards are printed, making sure those printed connection cards are in the places where they belong. What else? We always call that benevolences. So dealing with the people that are coming in off the streets. Uh, nine out of ten times, we worked. I worked in a church that had a dream center involved. So we had so many people coming in off the streets, which people automatically assume is a ministry-type opportunity. The truth of the matter is it's not. At the very beginning, it's informational. It's getting them the information that they need, following that with ministry down the road. And so all of those are informational-type things. So those are things that people that... Do not have that we are not paying to do the ministry side can be taken care of, freeing up the ministry people to do those things, to do the ministry things. What else? What are some more informational things that we're doing? Think real basic. Organizing the church cleaning crew. Um, organize, we talked about organizing volunteers, making sure that the churches are clean, making sure the electrical bills paid making sure that everybody knows where they're supposed to be and what time. These are all the basic informational things that require. Now, do I have any church administrators here who your job is to run, kind of run the staff? So you're probably thinking this stuff all day long. How do I efficiently make sure that everything gets done? Who reports to what things at what time, and what's the checks and balances in case they don't show? That's how you're thinking. Chances are everybody else in the room is like, wow, I never want to be thinking about that stuff. That is really not exciting. And you are right. So what I'm going to talk about is I'm going to talk about five things that I would like all of us to start doing on Monday. Now, you notice I wrote things to start on Monday. Most of these are things that you cannot accomplish on Monday. But some things that as a church office and maybe even just in your departmental area, you can start doing these things on Monday. Now, the first one is the most important, and I'm telling you, you can't come up with an answer by 4.30 on Monday. It's just not going to happen. The first thing that every church needs to do is, and I'm going to call it a communication strategy. I write really slow, and it looks like a four-year-old, guys. I apologize. A communication strategy. What this means is your church needs to decide the primary way that you are going to communicate to your church members. Now, I know that a lot of you are like, we do it always. We do Facebook, we do a bulletin, we do announcements from the stage, we put it on our website. I get that. I hear you. And I hear that everybody relates in a different way and they want to gain their information in a different way. But your church needs to come up with one primary way. And the reason for that is as churches get bigger and there's more layers and there's more things going on, there's a, you pull a lot more hands into the pot of the, of the bulletins and the websites. And so what you need is you need one way that you can say to your church people, this is the way that we always communicate. It is always up to date. So that everybody in your church knows, your youth pastor knows, if I'm having an event, yes, I need to send out flyers. Yes, I need to email parents. But primarily, I have to follow our communication strategy and make sure it gets, if your website, make sure it gets on the website. For our church that we attend, it's Facebook. Now, guys, I, I don't have a Facebook account. I'm like 150 years old, okay? I get that. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't have one. However, I understand that that is our church's primary mode of communication. And so what do I do? I, if I need to know information, 
I creep on my husband's Facebook page and figure out what's going on. Why? Because I know that if I need information, that is their primary source. It's always going to be correct on Facebook. Now, could I find it on their website? I probably could. They're great at updating the website. But I know that our primary mode is Facebook, and they have communicated that to the church. By any time we do announcements on Sunday morning, almost everything is followed with sign up on Facebook, check it out for more details on Facebook, and that's reaffirming to everybody in the church. This is our primary communication strategy. And starting on Monday, you need to go back to your church and you need to say, we need one primary communication strategy. Now, does that mean you can't do lots of things? Absolutely not. But it means that everybody in the office staff, all of the lead volunteers, and everybody in your church body knows, if I'm desperate for information, this is the one place we go that always has all of the current contact information. Then once you've determined that, communicated that, you need to assign one person in charge of that in your church. And again, because we're trying to do more of this, to free up more of this, if you're in a church that's more than three employees, so you have the, ch the pastor and then two other people, that job of communicating whatever the primary communication method is belongs to one of those other two people, okay? Even if he's the one who says, but I know it, we get that. But at the end of the day, every phone call you take trying to answer information that two other people could do is taking you, our primary minister, away from doing what you're supposed to be doing when we could do it. And guys, sometimes that's a very unnatural divide. Like, but I, I want that information. I get that. But you need to equip your pastor to let it go, which means whoever is taking it needs to be exceptionally capable at communicating on this communication strategy. Okay? So our key thing is find one strategy, define it, make sure it's up to date, assign one person to it, and communicate it like crazy throughout the church that this is how we're doing this. Now, this makes another key first impression uh, for, your, for your visitors because to your church person who has invited their friend and they say, hey, I'd love for you to come to church with me, the very next phrase out of their mouth is going to be, check us out on Facebook. Or if it's your website, go see our website. Or, hey, I have a church bulletin. Again, I don't care how you do it because every community is different. Some of this, I grew up in a super small town. Our church was 35 people. Uh, and granted, it was before the real internet came out. But a website was never going to happen. People were going to drive by the church or hand a bulletin. I don't care what you pick as your main communication strategy. But make sure everybody knows it because that's how they're going to tell new people to get to know your church. Hey, look us up on Facebook. Hey, you want to see our last week's bulletin to see all that we're doing in this church? Make sure that everybody knows it. Okay, so that's the big one. So I spent the most time on here. The second one I think is just as important for the majority, and I'm going to say this majority of our churches. If you are a rural church like I grew up in out in the sticks, this is probably not going to be as big of a deal. But to everybody else, regardless of the size of your town, as long as you're you know, not super small, this is the big deal. That's right. It's a website. Guys, it does not need to be fancy. Honestly, if you're a small church, I know that Assemblies of God Headquarters offers you a free website. All you need to do is people need to be able to put in the search engine your church name, their hometown in Ohio, and they need to pull up something that says your service times, your phone number, and who they can contact with more information. You do not need something fancy, fancy, but you need to be available on the website. I can tell you, when we moved here to Columbus, there was not a single place that I visited that the first thing I didn't do was punch it into my phone. 
not just because I needed directions, but because I wanted to know what times they were open, where they were located at. Like I wanted to know a little bit about more everything. We always typed it in our phone and look first. And that is the, the day and age that we are in, that people are always checking out your website. So you need a basic website. Now here's my other super pet peeve. And my husband, that handsome devil right there, he will disagree with me about this because he's super techie. And as I mentioned, I don't have Facebook, which I know you all were like, wow, do you even know how to use a computer? Like, I do, just barely. No, but I'm not super techie. So when I pull up a website, I do not want to have to do this if I'm looking for directions when I'm in my car with my four screaming kids, okay? At the very top of the website, the very top, and I know that's not where they tell you to put things. They want you to bury it down below in the context. Very top of your website, church time, Church location, phone number. That needs to be like in the banner, easy to find, because if someone is driving to come see you and they're having to do this and then hit contacts because they're lost and they can't find you, they're turning around, guys. They're like, forget this, I'm out of here. Put that key information at the top. And then I encourage you, get out your own phone, have a couple people you know get out your phone and look up your website in your phone. Have you ever done that? Look it up, know how it looks, so that when you're, if you're answering the phone and somebody says, I'm lost, I'm looking at your website, I'm trying to get there, I can't figure out where to find the stuff, you should be able to navigate someone through your website over the phone, which means you've looked at your website on a phone to know how it looks, okay? So key information, and again, if you're a super small church rural that has been in that community for a million years, this is not quite such a big deal. The small town I grew up in, everybody know where, knew where our church was. It was the only non-Catholic church there, okay? It was not hard to find. Even still, my home church has a website, okay? It's just important anymore. So number three is, or no, number two is website. Number three is uh, back to my old social experience, experiment, phone calls. Now guys, people are going to call the church. And uh, I'm not going to say don't get a robo-phone because through my little calling experiment in October, I can tell you there are some fantastic robo-phone calling systems out there. There really are. There are some terrible ones that, like, you know, no one's ever calling me back. Like, I'm punching in numbers, I'm spelling names, I'm guessing, I'm hitting zero operator, like, please, I'm stuck. Okay. To me, it doesn't so much matter. If it were a perfect world and you were churches of huge amounts of money, I would say there should always be a live person answering the phone just because of the one person every five years that might call saying, I'm done, I want to end it, I need a voice to talk to. They're not getting the same thing when they hear, thank you for calling Bethel Assembly. Press one for, okay? If it's a perfect world, I'd say always have a friendly voice answering the phone. But guys, I get it. Small churches, having someone to staff that phone is just a lot of times not a real possibility. So let's talk some other things about phone etiquette, okay? Whether you have somebody answering the phone or not, if you have a phone system, the thing I recommend you doing, and I know this sounds silly, is find an eight-year-old in the church and have them call the church and tell them exactly who you want them to talk to. If they cannot get to the person that you told them to talk to, you've got a problem. Okay, my daughter is eight. She is far more computer savvy than I am. And when I get stuck on something, I call her because she can usually figure it out. And there were phone systems that I'm telling you, I could not find my way through. I got lost. And so what I do, I did what a lot of other people doing. I hung up. If you need to know someone's name to get a hold of a live person, how is a visitor ever going to talk to a live person? They don't know any of your names. 
okay? You need to make it very easy. If you're gonna have a robo system, it has to have a zero button. The get me out of here, talk to a human button, okay? So phone calls, you've got to make sure that there's somebody that it's easy to use those robo systems. Now the other thing, and this is kind of moving into my point number four as well, um, so I'm gonna put it here and then come back to phone calls. And I call it the 24 hour rule, okay? And it's not just phone calls, it's emails too. 24 hour rule means if somebody calls or emails you within the church, within 24 hours, somebody needs to get back with them. Now, even if it's just to say, hey, I am so sorry, there is nobody in that can help you, we will get back with you. That makes a huge difference. Now, those auto responses on your emails, that is not the same thing because I know people who have left their auto response on, they've supposedly been on vacation since like 2012, okay? <laughs> it's not the same thing. You need to get back with people. You have 24 hours to just say, hey, we've heard you, we haven't lost you. And preferably, again, since we're trying to do this as efficiently as we possibly can, information, why do we put somebody, somebody off for information that we can give you immediately? Okay, so in theory, our front desk person who is answering that phone call, we want to give her information right at hand so that she can answer questions immediately. Because the quicker we give people basic information, the less we have to do it again and again and again. Okay, if your front desk person doesn't know about a youth event that's coming up, and so she's having to say, oh, let me call you back. And then she's running back to the youth person. The youth person gives her half the information, and she calls him back. And well, I actually need the other half of the information. And then she goes back to him. We have wasted so much time that could have been used for something else. Ohio a Ministry Network, OMN, has started a new system. And for all of my administrative formy people like myself, you're going to get all warm, tingly inside. They've created a new system where they have these forms. Us administrative people love a good form. Woohoo, a form. And on that form, every department that's going to do an event has to fill out the form. And basically, it has all the basics. What is happening? What are the dates? What are the basic information they need to know? Where do they register? And most importantly, who are they going to talk to for more information? Because it's not the receptionist. The receptionist needs to know the basics of all the information. But they have like, if they have real serious questions, like exactly how many flashlights are we supposed to bring to the lock-in? Okay, that is not the receptionist's job. The receptionist needs to know, you need to talk to Jimmy. Jimmy is the flashlight person. So they, OMN has a form, and I think it's a fantastic idea. Now, your church may not be a formy-ish type church, but what you need to communicate to your front desk person, to whoever is answering the phone or answering the emails, is they need to know it's their responsibility to have that information on all the upcoming events. So again, I'm a real dork, paper pusher type person. And so when I was working at a, the church plant that got to like 1,500, I would bring, I was the children's pastor, so I was not required to know everything that was going on in the church. But I would bring the bulletin home every week. And granted, we had talked about this stuff during staff meeting. But in staff meeting, there's a million things happening in your head. I would bring that bulletin home and I would set it on my desk. And that way I always knew the basic information. Because in our bulletin, they always made a point to say, contact so-and-so for more information. I always had a point of reference. And so you need to tell your first point of contact person, it is your responsibility to not know everything about every event, but to know where to find the information about all of the upcoming events. Now, if she wants to create a form and she thinks she can manage getting he, she or he, getting everybody to fill out the form and the events, and that's the way that your church rolls, 
awesome. That will make it easy. If she has a sick day, there's a stack of forums for whoever else needs more information. But I know realistically, a lot of churches are just not forum type of churches. And you're going to pass those forms out, and you're never going to see them again. So what you need to do is you need to pass the responsibility on to that first point of contact person and say, I don't expect you to know everything, but I expect you to know enough about everything to point people in the right direction. Because the final thing that I think that we need to do in order to improve our information so that we can do more ministry is we need to stop the buck passing. Now, this may surprise you guys. Coming from the Assemblies of God headquarters, has anybody ever called the national offices? Has anybody had a lovely experience like that, right? It left you all warm on the inside. You're telling your friends about it, I'm sure. So if you ever called the national office, you would be aware that the national office is consisted of, I think it's around 35 different departments. And then in each department, there's sub-departments. And as you can imagine, all the sub-departments don't even know each other because there's about 1,200 employees when I was there, right? So my favorite thing that people would do in headquarters would be like, oh, that's your problem? Mm-hmm. Okay, hang on a second. And they would transfer and hang up. It's like the worst, most evil thing you can do ever. Because then the person answering the phone is like, hello? And the person who just got there is like, I have to start from square run. I have to start all over. And guys, to me, I feel like this is the most frustrating thing you can do to a person who calls or emails your church is the consistent buck passing. What you need to do is you need to create a culture in your whole church that says, we will do two things. We will stop passing the buck and we will make sure people have information within 24 hours because frustrated people do not continue to go to the church and they do not show up at church. So what does practically the buck stop passing mean? It means that people have to learn to take ownership even if it's not their area of responsibility. So in other words, the receptionist answers the phone. She's told, hey, I really have some more questions about youth ministry, and I want to hear a little bit about how your youth pastor works. Great. So she forwards them back to the youth department, but first says to them, hey, this is Sally. She would like a little more information about the youth ministry. Great. So the person on the other end picks up the phone with an understanding of Sally, calls her by name. Sally, I'm so glad you called today. I hear you have some questions about youth ministry. What can I help you with? Sally instantly feels validated. Why? She did not waste the first transfer. It was useful. They recognized her name and her question. Now, the second person in that chair then gets Sally, and Sally doesn't really have a question generally about the youth ministry. She wants to know specifically what are the last five things the youth pastor talked about in the last five messages. Now, chances are second person chair has no clue. I don't know. You told me your question was about youth ministry. I have no clue what he talked about. So in most, in most people sitting in that second chair, they would go, oh, you really need to talk to the youth pastor. Transferred. Okay, now we're on to our third person. And by this point, Sally, who was really excited to call, is now getting a little bit frustrated because she has talked to three people, has gotten zero answers, and has just wasted probably 10 minutes. Okay? So if you're in the second chair, all of a sudden the buck stops in your lap. You are no longer allowed to pass it. Now, what that means is I'm not asking her to make up what he talked about the last five messages. Well, let me guess. It was probably. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. We don't want that person to give bad information. But when you're in the second chair, you're not allowed to pass on the information anymore. So what that means is, is she says, 
you know what, I actually don't know. That is not exactly my area of expertise. You really are gonna need to talk to the youth pastor. Do you mind if I pull him in here for a second and can we have him give you this information? And at that point, she, most people will be like, you can just transfer me in. But what she's heard in your voice is, I care that this is frustrating to you, that you have not gotten the information that you need. I'm willing to walk with you until you get it. And to most people, that's like, done. Even if I don't want to hear what the youth pastor has to say, even if I think he's a meanie, I still think you were great to work with. And so we have to talk to our people to say, quit passing the buck. It is so inconvenient. She probably has 17 things she needs to do immediately. Pulling the youth pastor in and sitting there listening to him talk about what he talked about the last five messages, she doesn't care. But you know what? What she is communicating is, believe it or not, ministry. I care about you. And so I'm not going to just pass you along. Okay, so these are the top five things of things I'd love to see you start on Monday to increase your group, uh, your church's first impressions. Now, guys, we have about eight minutes, so I ran over, but I'm totally blaming it because we didn't get started on time, okay? So it's not my fault. So I would love to hear some brainstorming. And if you want to do, for those of you who are like uh, not office staff and want to just give some other first impression things that your church has done that has been a bang-up success, I'd love to hear those. And I'd also love to hear some colossal <laughs> failures, okay? Like, dude, we tried this. It was horrible. Because I think sometimes learning from failures is almost more valuable than learning from some great things. So what are some first impression things that you tried that were just a hot mess? I'll give you guys time to think. I will tell you, we had a small church in Missouri that one of my coworkers went at. And they, the church needed to save money, which I totally get. And so they decided to have... Uh, church people sign up for teams to mow the church grass. Fantastic idea, right? It, it was, like generally, small lawn, fantastic idea. The problem was is nobody on the office staff took ownership of communicating how to do that. Right. And so you had weeks where, like, the church yard was mowed on, like, Tuesday. And so by Sunday, it was not looking awesome. You had weeks that, like, somebody got sick and didn't know who to call because there was no point person on the church staff, so didn't get mowed for, like, three weeks. Yeah. You had people that, like, mowed over the flowers because they weren't really, yeah. So, again, great concept, but the information aspect fell apart. So what are some other first impression things that maybe you guys have seen that did not work? Anybody? Yeah. Please. Right. So, um, you know, the, the, the contradiction or misinformation, which creates confusion for everybody. You know, and that's a great point. And I have seen in churches uh, where that's a part of a uh, bad blood. Because, well, you got it right on the website. And so then I don't want to call it out because I don't want somebody to get in trouble. When it comes to information, there should be no getting in trouble. It's everybody's responsibility. If you see the information that's bad, you don't get to go like... <clears throat> They missed it again. Like, go fix it. Fix the information or get it to them. And not like in a, can you not get it together? The first priority, get the information right. Worry about blaming and do that later. Get the information correct. Has to be correct.
Great. Yes, that is a very good point. Make sure that more than one person has access to that. Uh, funny story on that account. My, uh, my husband knows, I don't know if you're familiar with the name, Doug Clay. He's an old Illinois guy, or Ohio guy. So for a while when we were at headquarters, my husband managed Doug's Facebook account, which is just never good because he's really, my husband is a character and known to do irresponsible things. And uh, <coughs> don't worry, he'll never listen to this. I totally bore him, so we're, we're in the clear. But uh, so he, he was, had a, was doing something for Doug on, the, on his Facebook and passed along the phone to my kids who were playing a game. <laughs> so then all of a sudden it posts like, hey, look, Doug is like great at Farmville, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So that is one of those situations, thank goodness, a couple people had access to his account that, so, that popped up and they went, oh, that's not right. It went in there and cleared it out and figured out what was causing it right away. So another one of those, if something gets up wrong, it's nice even to have more than two people, to have maybe two or three people. Events like this, there's a bunch of different guys at OMN that have access to Facebook. If you're doing a big outreach, outreach event, give a couple people access so that you can have pictures coming all the time from all different viewpoints because it's really getting out there. That's a great one. Yep. And we, my husband is the communications director, and what he will say all the time is people think that more communication is better, but what they don't realize is it's ineffectual because you start tuning it out. And so the same thing with Facebook. It's awesome when you have, you know, it's coming out, it's reminding people about church, it's keeping them involved. But if you're posting something every 15 minutes, people are like, block, I'm out. So you need to realize that you need to be very strategic in how much you communicate with people. It has to be effectual, so don't overkill your voice. Anybody? Yes? Uh, one of the things, I manage the church Facebook page, so I'm very strict about what goes on it. Good. And also, we developed uh, Facebook pages for the preschool ministry, where we send you know, messages out to the families, parents, people. And, and it's a closed group, so yeah. that Yeah. You know, context. And then you can use the boost, and for seven days you can boost that event and, and uh, get more advertising out that way. Yeah. And guys, I got to tell you, don't worry about, not don't worry, you need to keep moving with outliers. Okay? Because again, I don't have Facebook. Our church does, we have a private group with our Kids Connection people so that if somebody's going to miss on Sunday, they just hit the group, hey guys, I can't do it Sunday, who can fill me in? It's great. It helps our children's pastor not having to spend hours filling spots. People do it kind of fluidly. That being said, if Abby was so concerned that, I, well, Steph doesn't have Facebook, so how is she going to know? We gotta, I've got to stop and I've got to then send emails. Guys, That again, we're stopping this to do this. You need to let your outliers be outliers. People that don't have Facebook, they know they don't have Facebook. Like, it's not shocking to them. So I recognize that I am missing information. And so that means me personally, I have to be more proactive to make sure I can go find it. And I think sometimes in the church we're so worried about the outliers. Well, we got to make sure that everybody can do it. You will spend so much time doing this that you will miss this. Because there has to be a point when people realize, like, Listen, they have it on the website, they put it on Facebook, and they handed me a bulletin. If I don't know, it's my fault, okay? I need to, we need to let go and move on. And guys, speaking of letting go and moving on, I must let you go. You must move on. So thank you, guys. Have a great day.